Welcome to episode 7 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patsy Rahal. I am the Angry Nerd, and I am joined today, as per usual, by my co-host, Agent Nicole. Hello, everybody. Also, the producer extraordinaire, Jonathan Wolfenstein. That's not my name. (laughs) That's not my name. (laughs) That's not my name. Oh, Christ, already this is starting. Uh, We are joined also by our occasional co-host, who seems to have moved in, Mrs. Angry Nerd, Ashes Von Nightmare. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Thanks. Happy to be here. And today, we have a special guest. We are joined by the most popular host of the Elm Street Kids Movie Club podcast. She is the Ginger Atlantean. She loves Ellen Ripley more than you love your family. She once went backstage at a Rolling Stones concert, and for two weeks, Mick Jagger refused to sing I Can't Get No Satisfaction. She can only sleep on a mattress stuffed with the souls of the innocent. Cthulhu worships her. She is Stephanie Wiley. That is quite the intro. <laughs> um, however, I would never sleep with Mick Jagger. I didn't imply anything. I just said you went backstage and he stopped singing the song for two weeks. It was probably under threat of death. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the Rolling Stones. Oh, that's why you had your question. Yeah, not a big fan of the Rolling yes. Stones. They're, they're all right. I'm more of an Aussie kind of girl. That's true, but Ozzy doesn't sing I Can't Get No Satisfaction, and therefore the joke doesn't work. That's because he never never had a need to. No, that's true. I was going to make a bark at the moon joke, but I I couldn't make it work right. You can't do anything right. Yeah, whatever. Fair. (sighs) You know that you're going to get your ass... Good morning, kids. How's it going? Yeah, it was going all right. You know, until a few minutes ago. It's oh, going yeah, well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's, you know, hashtag Team Agent Nicole. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just so everyone knows. Hashtag Team Dynamo. Hashtag oh. that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make it a thing. Yeah, no one's going to catch on. Uh, I can think of at least one other person who... Uh, Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> Do you know your ass is going to be so burnt and grilled from the three of us today? Yeah, yeah. This is this is. I don't know why I decided to. uh, We should have just kicked you you off and just have a girl fest here today. Oh my god! We are having a pajama party right now. Pajama party. It's a throwdown Thursday pajama party. Pants are optional. Ah, my pants are off. Pants are frowned upon. Yes. Mm -hmm. Pants no are useless. Pants party. I mean, you can wear pants, I guess, but we're going to judge you. It's, it's kind of like that song, you know, you, you can pants if you want to. You can leave your pants behind. But if you wear pants, if your friends wear pants, well, they're no friends of mine. Mostly that. Yeah, that's by that uh, the group Men Without Jobs. That's yeah, what it yeah, is. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. The, the, the parody group, yes. I don't know, no, no. They work at the... Ga- the uh, you say yeah, they work at the gas station. They, <laughs> they, they the don't have jobs. It's going to be gas station or gap. Well, they're they're volunteers. They're vol- <laughs> no one will, no one will pay we, them. Like who volunteers to work at a gas station or car wash? Hey, you know, I just I just really like washing cars. And occasionally maybe, maybe they like maybe they like they like running through the the car wash naked. That's the closest they get to a shower. Hey, it what, rains. whatever gets you off. Ooh, Wanna I got hot jungle. wax on my undercarriage. Ew. <laughs> well, our uh, our subject. Glad I wasn't eating. Oh, yeah. 
Our subject matter for today was chosen by our guest. Uh, it comes as quite a shock uh, that Stephanie has chosen Ellen Ripley as her character what? to discuss. Holy shit! I know. Uh, never at any point has she ever shown any affinity for this character or the franchise from which she... How much uh, money did you give her to choose Ellen Ripley? It, it was tough. It was tough. I uh, cleared out your bank account. <laughs> All two dollars. <laughs> I drank a hard bargain. That was infinitely more than was in mine. Because I was able to uh, to do some nice stuff that uh, actually everyone else in the room was able to do. And uh, as well as our guest, we... Uh, Helped Mr. Wooberman raise uh, quite a nice little chunk of change for his uh, Macmillan cancer research. Yes. Yes, yes, that was amazing. And his 24-hour gaming marathon. And he was uh, quite punchy by the end, but he was able to keep uh, keep himself I wish I got to watch more of it. <laughs> he, was, he was definitely a trooper. Yeah, definitely a trooper. Oh, especially having to play Daikatana like that. Twice. Twice he had to do that. I was just well, laughing he didn't at my have desk to the second he was time. <laughs> I think at that point he was just like, I'm he just was X Blades was so bad that he <laughs> had to go the back. Frog one. Yes, yes. he had to go one? back and play one of the worst games of all time. That's how bad X Blades was. And he didn't understand why people were dumping bodies in a pit. Was that just like where they dumped them? This was an accident. Why are they there? There's just bodies in the pit. It was a happy accident. Like, they didn't mean to dump them there, but since they were there, it's like, eh, might as well keep them there. I don't know. That's what I got from it. I've never played that game. I had never heard of that game, but that was uh, as a result of the supervillain Supreme Sir Isaac. Uh, his donation caused... Uh, Wolverine to have to play that game. How's your phone after I like dropped it on uh, Thursday when I hacked into your phone to talk to everybody in that chat room? Oh, my phone is fine. It's, okay. it's working. I felt bad. No, she don't. Didn't. No, don't she feel didn't. too badly. He'll live. No, no, she did not feel badly at all. Um, well, since we're going to talk about Ripley today, the first thing uh, we need to do is we need to uh, get ourselves to a break. But before we go to our break. We have to do our getting into character segment, and uh, I promised Stephanie that these would be some uh, hard-hitting, impactful questions, and of course that was mostly a lie. But Stephanie, are you ready for your uh, your five getting into character questions? Oh, yeah, yeah, as ready as I'll ever be. All right. <laughs> Smile and nod. Well, that doesn't really play too well over radio. That's why I just told you I was smiling and nodding. Oh. <laughs> Thank Thanks you. for playing, Patsy. Thank you for the exposition. You're welcome. Do what I can. All right. So, question number five. If you could solve any mystery throughout the history of the world, what would it be? Seriously? Seriously. <laughs> any mystery. It could be who built the pyramids. It could be where did my keys go? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where I don't need to explain well, what mysteries are to me, Patrick. I can handle that. I know. I'm just, you know, giving you a range, you know, because you seemed confused. I feel like I'm not confused. I speak English. I'm just confused as to why you're asking me such a question. I feel like this is a, a leading question. I do too. I'm trying to figure out what he's what he's getting at over here. I didn't um, get to check the question, so I'm, I'm not kinda... trying to get at anything. I just thought that would be an interesting question, and I'm interested in your response. If I could solve any mystery in the history of the world, it's why are you asking this question? No, <laughs> fair enough. Um, I, I don't know. I like to wonder. There's nothing that you were like, man, I wish I knew what the answer to this was. 
Um, I wish I knew why George R. R. Martin couldn't type a little fucking faster. <laughs> That's perfectly rational. I agree. Yes. You are not alone. God damn. Man. I feel like with the answer to that, I can take over the world. Probably. All right. Uh, question number four. What is the fastest that you personally have ever driven a vehicle? Uh, it's been a while, but probably about 110. Okay. Not crazy or anything. Well, I'm just curious. You know, I didn't think you were some sort of maniac, but, you know, I mean, not that kind of maniac anyways. Fair. Would you prefer, in a movie about your life, would you prefer to be portrayed by Sigourney Weaver or Gillian Anderson? Well, I mean, aesthetically, like, have you seen the photo? I'm like a good head shorter than Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, I... And I was wearing shoes that made me taller that day. It's just disappointing when you're this short sometimes. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's the struggle, man. If I hadn't, I fear I might not have even in, been in the photo. Just like the top of my head. Um, well, I mean, I think it would just make more sense for Jillian Anderson. Okay. Although, on the flip side, if it was uh, Sigourney Weaver, you know, any uh, monogrammed clothing that she had playing you, you could actually keep afterwards and it would be perfectly fine. Uh, typically, though, I feel like that that's not how that works. They, they hoard all the props and things for films these days. Yeah, that's true. Okay, question number two. If there was <laughs> any food that you could eat that would not only cause you to not gain weight, but actually be diet-friendly, what would that be? Popcorn. Popcorn? Okay. See, for me, I would I would go with, like, cheeseburgers or pizza or something. Yeah, but like we that. didn't we Tacos. didn't ask you. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. No one I didn't, asked. I didn't no care. care. Well, that's okay. I'm sure someone I enjoy does. popcorn of basically all varieties, except for the abomination that is kettle corn because Ugh. it's bullshit and I'm it's not idiot. popcorn. Um, but, you know, I like to be aware of which theater I'm attending and what kind of popcorn they have and where on the, the hierarchy of popcorn delightfulness they fall. Because, you know, some theaters just don't have the same quality of popcorn as others. That is 100% true. I know, I said it. How do you yes. feel about popcorn balls? The medical condition, <laughs> the <nickels> and balls. <laughs> I I think it's probably more charming as like a Christmas decoration. I don't really want to eat it. Fair enough. For the record, Stephanie does not want to eat popcorn balls. No. All right. Uh, and your number one question. This was number two, but I switched it to number one. You're going mm-hmm. on a mission to LV four two six. Who are mm-hmm. your five companions? But you cannot choose anyone from the Alien franchise. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, oy. Okay, let's see here. Well, I'm going to have to bring my partner in crime, my better, larger half, uh, Mr. Al Goro. I would have... To, I know. I would have to bring uh, my, my homegirl, Storm. We're going to mess up some planetary alignments and some weather patterns. So that's a good one. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. That's two. I need I need three more people that I'm going to go on a mission. Fuck. Well, where's Jean-Luc, where's Jean-Luc Picard when I need him? In a and, you know, pile and, of ball pits. Or no. Fuck. Damn it. Never mind. 
A pile That's of true. ball pits? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of balls. I'm Are vaguely concerned balls? about that. Um, what's the guy from Predator? Dutch. Arnold Schwarzenegger? Dutch. Sure, he's coming because I feel like he's got some, you know, experience in these matters. Hmm. Okay, that's good. Haven't seen it, saving that for marriage, but you know. Um, <laughs> and who's going to cause a lot of damage? Who's going to cause a lot of damage? You know what? At this point, no, that's a bad idea. That would be a conflicting emotions. No Aquaman. Um, <laughs> I was just going to ask, how about Jason Momoa? Have Jason Momoa oh. and El Goro battled no. it out? Uh-oh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> I'll be very busy. Um, um, I I don't know. This is this is weird. Uh, let's let's bring someone crazy who's crazy lately what about somebody that's you know got some experience with uh, dealing with aliens but hey I already picked I already picked Jean-Luc Picard and the guy from Predator um I don't know this is terrible well um (laughs) let's see can I this is weird Patrick, it is a you're weird a question, but I wanted to make you think. Little creature, I am. Um, Sarah Connor. Okay, that's a good one. All right. All right. Well, that's uh, who is awful. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a pretty strong team. I thought this is going to be some interesting question. Like I thought this is going to be interesting questions, and here I am. All right, so break time, yeah. It's like yeah. it's like it's like she's in school all over again. Yeah, well, I thought they were interesting questions. These were no, questions school was that more interesting. I wanted the answers to. Well, Patrick always thinks that he's interesting. They they thinks they're the, being the key word. Yeah, well, these are questions that I wanted the answer to, and guess what? I got the answers. Patrick so. thinks he's the Dosecki's guy, but he's really like the Bud Light guy. I'm, <laughs> I'm the most mildly interesting person in the world. Sli- <laughs> slightly interesting. The most slightly interesting man in the world. The most kind of intriguing person. Oh. No, intrigue is a strong word. Oh, well, you know, people wonder a lot of times, like, you know, usually it's what's wrong with you and why are you in my living room? Those are usually the two questions I get. Usually from my wife. Yes, this is true. No, I was always wondering, like, what the doses you have are on. Well, once I uh, I got the the Stockholm syndrome to take hold, I've uh, slowly weaned her off the dosage and just gave her wine. Yeah. I love Patrick. He <laughs> is awesome. She is my Stepford wife. Don't give me that. Patrick one. is great. Yeah. See. And we have that recorded. Doesn't, for doesn't sound like she's hacked at all. Oh, no, 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 no. Sounded really natural. I love my life. She sounds like <laughs> Vicky from from Small Wonder. Oh. Yeah, I, I think uh, now would be a, a good time to uh, take a little bit of a break and kind of come back and gather our I'm thoughts. having a really good time. Hey, you didn't have to come here. <laughs> she Wait, had to did. give you a ride. No, no we took my car. <laughs> Thanks for the wine. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we do a break now, uh, Wolfie, and we'll come <laughs> Patrick's back. Patrick's life is over. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Ripley on the other side. <laughs> 
Street Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. It's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Okay. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci, douchebags. And we're back. And let's see. Stephanie, are you still here? Yep. All right. Well, that's a successful break then. Stephanie did She didn't leave. Yeah, she she stayed here. She had a chance to, you know, conveniently get disconnected from from Skype, and she didn't. Well, I appreciate that. Um, So, Stephanie. But so I do, too. (laughs) (laughs) You you chose Ellen Ripley. Everyone knows that you have. Did a, I though? Because I feel like I didn't really choose, and then I totally forgot this was happening. <laughs> yeah, she was so invested that I was like, "Hey, what what kind of uh, stuff should we talk about?" And she's like, "Well, I think you should do this." Oh, is it for your show? And I said, "Yes, the one that you promised to be on." And she's like, "Oh, right. Well, that kind of changes things. I would re- recommend A, B, and C." I was like, "Oh, awesome." <laughs> Well, I get this question about what which episodes of X should we watch to discuss something, and I was like, hmm, well, I guess, like, what are you, like, looking for Monster of the Week? Do you need standalone stories? Are you looking for the overarching arc of the, sh- of the show? What What's the vein that I'm trying to supply here? Like, what kind of fuel do you need? And then I said something to Mars about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, you're going to be on a show, and I was like... Oh, right. That's why he's asking me <laughs> And the thing that I responded to you with was, I was like, don't you remember how angry you got that I was having Mars on before you? Like, you made a big deal that I was having Mars on before you. And I believe your words were something like along the lines of, you can go fuck yourself. And direct all to me. And... And then you completely forgot that it was there. So I was like, I'm so mad about this thing that I'm going to completely forget about it 30 seconds from now. It wasn't 30 seconds, A. And B, yeah, if Dynamo's already done it, why do I want to touch it? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to go he, on. I'm like, he apparently didn't tell you what we did to El Goro when he was uh, on the show in studio. Mm. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Wow, and she's speech <laughs> silence. Yeah, Nothing silence. on the other end. Wow. I'm not uh, too worried about that. So, 
Stephanie, why is it that you love Ellen Ripley so damn much? Well, that's a great question. Uh, Ellen Ripley is the epitome of what a strong character with a solid story arc should be. And you uh, you were exposed to Ripley at a relatively young age. Um, what was your very first impression of her and how she handled herself um, you know, amongst all the turmoil of the, the first film? I think my exact words were, holy shit. That seems accurate. Um, well, why don't you give us a little uh, a little background on uh, Miss Ripley um, through her through her uh, film uh, appearances <sighs> and how they made you feel, so to speak. <laughs> and how did that make you feel? Are we? Is this Guantanamo Bay? Because I feel like <laughs> she's like. <sighs> oh, I have to are, talk about. Are something you sending? I are like. you sending her a check after this or something? I hope I'm being waterboarded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, she's going to be rewarded with Chaco Tacos at Rock and Chalk. That's, and that's a long time to wait, though. Well, we do. We, uh, you know, I've got bigger problems on what I'm waiting on than that, so I'm not too worried about that. The three of us um, have it'll be worth it. Dry ice, so we yeah, could at any true. time send you send some Chaco tacos. That's vaguely terrifying. Mm. Um, I can't believe someone would leave you in charge of dry ice. Um, okay, so well, what was like the question? Something thing. about how I feel about Ripley throughout the series? Yeah, as as she progresses from one film to the other, you know, how did you uh, you know view her as she went from you know the first film to the second to the third? Because she's in very different situations in each one of these films, and you know, I feel like her character progresses um, accordingly. But you know, I'm interested on your thoughts because you know you are our guest and you are the one who chose this character. So I'm interested in your thoughts. Sure. And so earlier, um, just before we started recording, you had mentioned to Ashes about Ashes that you had suggested that she should watch Aliens before Alien, and you couldn't see it, but I'm pretty sure you could hear it. I was making a face mm-hmm. because I absolutely disagree with that statement. And you know, I I'm, think- I'm sorry, I don't mean to interject. I did watch Alien before Aliens. I went in chronological uh, movie order, and I'm really glad that I did. Uh, I feel like, you know, following that, the order that, you know, the order that it's, it's supposed to be, um, you know, for some reason, Patrick was under the impression that her character was better in the, the second movie than the first. And I, I disagree with that because I, I feel like her character is solid like through throughout so no my my whole thing was you get to see more of her character in the second one than you do in the first one that's not true though you get to see more story going on that's about that moves into a shift that's where it's more aligned to a ripley's story versus the first film being about a cast and being about an ensemble of people who are trapped in a situation and one person who rises above the bullshit that's going on handles her shit, saves her cat, and gets the hell out of Dodge. Um, She starts out as a really normal person. They're on a a commercial towing ship. It's nothing glamorous. It's nothing special. That's just what they do. uh, They work for Weyland-Yutani, the company. It's pretty much seemingly... It wouldn't be like being a military person, because that comes up later. It wouldn't be like being military personnel. But it seems like it's uh, really... Similar to 
a blue collar union worker at this point. The company seems to have pretty solid rules about who gets what and that union kind of mentality of people getting their shares and what they're owed, uh, as it, as it were. And the story starts about a group of people who are in space, who've been asleep and they're awoken by a distress signal or what they perceive to be a distress signal. They're not a hundred percent sure. You've got my dear Ellen Ripley trying to do her job and just live her damn life. Uh, when all of a sudden her world is completely shattered by this creature being brought up on board her ship against her will. And she's the third officer. So when the first, the first mate and the captain are off the ship, she is meant to be in charge. However, thanks to nefarious reasons we learn about later, she's overridden. And that's how the creature gets on board. Our little friend, the facehugger, who then becomes a chestburster, who becomes a xenomorph. Uh, and much like the evolution of a of a facehugger to a xenomorph, you get different evolutions and def- different iterations of Ripley in each film. So the first film is not about her. It's about people trying to survive, and she happens to be kind of the stronger person of the team uh, who makes it off the ship and who handles her business. And then you get to the second film where she wakes up after, I think it's 150 years, right? 57. I'm sorry, 57 years in hypersleep. And I only know it because I saw it today. She has no idea like what has gone on, really. She's in hypersleep. She wakes up, and she has to ask if you know IQs have dropped sharply while she's been away because people don't seem to have learned at all from anything that she's telling them. They eventually want her to go back to LV-426 to help them figure out what's going on because they've suddenly got a miss of a... a, a missing group of colonists large group of colonists have all gone missing um and here's this woman who has been through hell who had to stand up and fight an ungodly monster it was fucking terrifying it managed to take down people who in theory should have been stronger than she was she's now safe she's got her cat she doesn't have to deal with anything about it it's not her problem and yet she stands up and she says no i'm going back and we're going to kill these things. And I think that is when you really get the sense of who she is on a deeper level. There's more to it than she just survived. She didn't just survive because she got lucky. She survived because she had that strength of character and that will to survive. And that's, that's one of those moments where it harkens back to the first film and you're like, right. So she didn't just make it through this on accident. Um, unfortunately for us in the third film, she has found herself in a probably worse situation. They do make it through the ordeals of LV-426, and she has a mini family as she's leaving that planet, and we think that everything's going to be okay. Our dear friend Bishop's in tow, everyone's happy, and then the third film, we wake up and everyone's dead. Except for except for poor Ripley, who has managed to survive the ship crashing and landed, God help her, on a prison colony. Yay. Uh, and she has, again, she again has to sack up and handle everything. She's surrounded by who, in theory, should be pretty badass, tough, hardcore men. Um, and they seem to think they are pretty hardcore and badass when they're talking to her and to each other, but not in the face of a xenomorph. And that's when she never backs down. She is the ultimate badass. She's not going to take no shit off no alien. 
but she's going to shut him down. And even better is when she realizes that, unfortunately for her, she is harboring an alien inside of her. She's harboring a queen inside of her chest that's going to burst out and kill her, and then very shortly thereafter, everyone else. So at the end of the film, we've got a scene where there's Ripley again with her will to live and her will to shut down these wretched beasts, um, falling into the pit of fiery like magma that they use to forge steel. And as she is falling, the, the chest burster does burst from her chest, but there's that strength of will again where she pulls the chest burster down with her. She's not letting the little bastard go. She's going to die. It's going down with her. And you think you would think that's the end of it, right? No, no. Because nobody learns. So we have Alien Resurrection, the fourth film, which is one of my personal favorites, and I will defend it to the grave, and if anybody has anything bad to say about it, we can take it outside. Uh, and I'm... Oh, I totally mean that. Um, oh, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. Hold my jewelry. Uh, so this is a film where we find that the the future is not very much smarter than we left off. Wayland yutani actually uh, has been purchased out. They've gone under. They were purchased by Walmart, of all things, which is just funny. And uh, interesting that in 1997 that such a joke would still be relevant as it is now. Um, so they were purchased by Walmart, and here we, we wake up to find her on a, a probably a... It looks to be some sort of military slash medical transport vehicle and we find that they have cloned my dear Ripley and on the eighth time they were successful and they brought back to life one fantastic Ellen Louise Ripley and one alien queen Uh, the only issue is that A it's Ripley and she's had enough of yo shit B those aliens have not changed and they're still gonna cut you and C, she's now partially xenomorph, and the xenomorph is now partially her due to gene splicing and the cloning that was successfully able to bring them back to life. And then my poor Ripley has to face her own own little xenomorph alien queen baby at the end and shut that down because she can't handle it no more. It's like when you have babies, kids, you know? You just can't put up with their bullshit, and you got to shove them out in an airlock or crack the glass and shove them right out because you screwed up, and you can make a new one. <laughs> I don't think she's all that interested in making a new one at this point. Did you ask her? I did not, but, you know, judging by uh, her reaction to it, you know. Her reaction to it was that she was heartbroken that she couldn't balance the two. She's heartbroken that she is essentially the mother of this creature and part of the creature at the same time, but she knows that the creature will destroy everything. Yeah, so why would she want to have another one? Because maybe you could do better the next time. Yeah, maybe if she raised it instead of, you know, the surrogate mom, maybe, you know, things would have been better. You know, I, She didn't get to spend enough love, you know, she didn't get to spend enough child- time with him in his childhood, her childhood. That's true. She she's heartbroken. She wants to love this creature, and she does love the creature in spite of herself. Uh, she doesn't she doesn't want it to die, but she knows it has to. Yeah, the 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 look on her face as this thing is you know being slowly ripped out of the airlock. You know, it does say volumes about her. 
But do you think she feels that way because she's hybridized, or do you think she feels that way because it's her offspring? Like, do you think you know? Normal but you just Ellen answered Ripley? your own. You just answered your own question. She is hybridized. She's hybridized, and so is this creature. It's a part of her, and they're part of something that is different from the entire rest of the universe. Fair point. Now. When, you know, when I said that, you know, it provide you know, the second film provides a little more uh, depth to to Ripley's character, what I was referring to was, you know, in the first film, you don't really see the maternal side to her. I mean, yeah, she goes back and save the, saves the cat, but a lot of people, you know, would go back and save their cat. Because, I would say would they? Well, I would. I don't know if a lot of people would, but I mean, I think everyone around here certainly would. Right. So... You know, I can identify with. Would that. you save your Patrick? Maybe not your cat. Totally. <laughs> I well, I think it's it's common knowledge that I I love my cat more than I love my Patrick. I was given so. I was given a list the other day, and it goes uh, the list of what she loves. It goes zombie, which is her cat, wine, shoes, wine again, glitter, and, and glitter, then me, and then Patrick. So I just just outside the top five. Yeah, you know, which isn't bad. It's not bad. Maybe if you if you up your game, you can bump in. You know, I you know, you know, I buy your wine. You know, maybe be less itchy than glitter, and you know, you have a chance. <laughs> I did, I did, uh, and I, I had a little uh, wager going. Well, not so much a wager as a uh, you know, a little thing going back and forth with uh, Miss Agent Nicole. I started growing a mustache and said to her, "I was like, let's see how long it takes Ashley to notice." Uh, that I have this mustache and to say something about it. And it took her about a week and a half. Now, I don't like growing a mustache. I am not a fan. But it took her about a week and a half for her to actually say, you need to change your face. Which she says quite a bit, you know, like... I don't, I don't think like she meant face. the mustache. No, no. I I, like I, I actually, that's something that I say quite frequently. You I know, just You, said you need that. to change your face. But, you know, in this case, it was meant specifically towards the mustache. So... Took her a week? And a, half. a week and a half. Yeah, she I don't pay anything. much attention to him. I know that's true. You no, know, clearly you need to. Um, but um, so getting you can back pee and to water yourself. <laughs> getting back to uh, the character, and as someone yeah. who, um, I was a little sad just, panda to hear that this was your first full length viewing of Alien. Well, yeah, um, I'm lie. a little, I'm a little late to the party. Um, Me too. You know, but I do eventually no, show up. No, Nicole. No. <laughs> yep. Neither. And uh, Nicole, uh, please tell Stephanie how you were able to watch these films. I already know the answer. She already knows the answer. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let our listening audience know. She actually used Patrick the... was shamed into upping <laughs> his collection finally because he was like wicked behind on the on the the digital technology there. So he finally was able to upgrade to the Blu-ray package, which is fantastic if you don't already own it, listeners. Yeah. Which and I then I got his sloppy seconds. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I doesn't really count as sloppy seconds because he didn't really clearly use it the first go round anyway. No question, uh, Stephanie. Did you uh, harass Nicole into buying the Blu-rays yet, or the director's cut uh, of of the films? Have you done that? She doesn't go around pretending to be an expert on things and then own oh! the show. So the answer is you are uh, you you pick and choose who to shame about their film. No, they pick shame. For shame. Shame. <laughs> shame. So the answer is no, you did not harass Nicole, even though she spent less on it than I did. 
because she got it for free. For free. So we I'm can't. I'm gonna hate we the game, not the player. So we can't discuss <laughs> the uh, director's cut of this film. Of which one? Of any of them, because Nicole has not seen them. Well, first of all, I don't have a Blu-ray player. So. But you don't even have the director's cut. See, that's. I like that. Like this is some sort of yeah. cyclical violence thing where, like, well, you know, off, I'm just looking so for now consistency. You have to try to mock them with no, no, no. Than you I'm scale. just it's looking exactly for what's cons- happening right I'm now. looking You're for consistency, and it's not happening. I'm not looking for validation. I'm looking for consistency. If you're going to harass me, you have to harass her. Mm. If she, no, she went around, if she went around pretending to be an expert on everything, I would. I don't pretend to be an expert on everything. Oh, I clearly, clearly, in the last couple of episodes, have said that I am unfamiliar with the characters we are covering, and hence uh, allowed our guest to inform us and educate us on all of the stuff that we're talking about because I want to learn more. I think the reason why Patrick is just being a harpoon on all of this is because everyone's been team agent Nicole and not team Patrick. It has bruised his ego a little bit. He does cry himself to sleep at night. Only a couple of times a week. Only a couple of times. Keeps me up, though. I'm like, dude, go on the couch. (laughs) And I say, no. The only way I'm going on the couch is if someone brings me there and... uh, I don't know anyone who is capable of lugging me out of bed and putting me on the couch. That's your own fault. That is true. <laughs> but I never have to sleep on the couch. Now, I did want to talk about one deleted scene from the first film that really shows the strength of Ripley's character. And that, of course, is when she is roaming the ship and she finds uh, Mr. Tom Skerritt, uh, Captain Dallas, mm. uh cocooned yep and he uh and this scene is you know again uh kind of replayed a little bit but not with the same same type of effect or emotion in you know the second film when the uh, marines first first encountered the xenomorphs but they uh, well there's a difference between the first time you see something and then seeing it again right um well, not only that, in the first film, like you're well, no, kind th- of invested in that character. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, with what the, happens know, versus the second film? That's what um, that's, You know, it's just a random, point. random character. Right. That's the point I'm saying. Like they try to to uh, kind of replay. Like redshirted ensign. It was nice knowing you. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much. You know, but it, it's kind of like I like the fact that it was kind of a nod to that, even though you know that wasn't. There's a, there's a way better nod to the whole thing way later in the franchise. Yes, yes, and that would be uh, in Alien 4. Resurrection, but yes, yes, 4. It's still the fourth one, yeah. It is the fourth one. Get it's right, not what it's it. called. I understand what it's called. Do you say I Alien... I don't think you do. Do you say Alien Cubed? No. <laughs> well, that's what it's called. I say Alien Resurrection, I say Alien 3, and I say Aliens and Alien... Well, but it, it's got the three, which denotates a cube. Depends on where it's actually presented. If you look different sources online, it's not necessarily how it's it's stated. That seems to be the cover packaging, but it doesn't seem to be how it's represented digitally across different platforms. That's why I only go by the uh, the. Uh, you only go art. by what suits your purpose. I, I know, go by it's the cover okay. art. I go by the cover art of the mm-hmm. uh, of the mm-hmm. package because that is the most reliable source. And you wa- you wonder why she gets you shit. Sorry, what? I fell asleep. That's okay. You can be uh, sleepless in Atlantis. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, the scene in in question here is you know Ripley comes across Tom Skerritt's uh, Captain Dallas cocooned 
by the xenomorph as it's uh, starting to create a uh, a nesting area to uh, propagate its species. Saving some tasty morsels for the babies. Mm-hmm. And uh, he still has enough wherewithal uh, and <laughs> enough consciousness to beg her to kill him. Now, you don't... R- <sighs> I, I don't want to say that there's like a romantic thing going on with them. I mean, it's there was meant to be. It was yeah. just tension. not actually filmed. Yeah, like there's some tension. Actually, apparently, them. it was filmed in part, but not really displayed in the film. Yeah, but I mean, you can definitely s- sense the the tension between them. Um, you know, in different scenes, and so for her to, you know, she's able to. Do what needs to be done, and you know, divorce herself from emotion, and and you know. S- I think she does it because of emotion. She knows that the fate that's that's awaiting him is far worse if she doesn't essentially help him out of the situation. Right. She it's knows the only that, way that she can, and she knows there's nothing she can do. Like he's cocooned, there is something inside her, inside of him, and there's there's nothing she can do. So it's a mercy. It's not killing. inside of him. It's not inside of him yet. It wouldn't be. The eggs weren't laid. Okay, I wasn't sure if he was... It's Thanks been a while playing. since I've seen that particular scene. Mm-hmm. And here you, here you are trying to talk about it. Well, yeah, I, that, I was getting to the important part, which was, you know, her mercy killing of Tom Skerritt's character. And Lambert as well. Yes. Although, you know... So, fun fact about that scene that I learned from Veronica Cartwright is that Originally, there was a big pane of glass that was put in front of them that they had been intending to kind of use as a shield so that the flamethrower that Sigourney Weaver was using that day to film, and it was a real flamethrower, um, wouldn't impact them. However, when they went to film the scene, the cast, the crew thought that they were going to be taking that down. So when they saw they were leaving it up and they had every intention of shooting with it up, they panicked flipped out, like, lost her shit, and ran off the set. And so Ridley Scott, who is, of course, known for being an ever-so-mild-mannered human being, very calmly lost his mind and said that they were all fired and you'd ruined his day and what happened and what the hell, you fucked up my shoot, blah, blah, you're all fired. Uh, And then he was informed that had she flipped the switch on that flamethrower, they all would have been crispy critters. The fire would have hit that glass pane, it would have bounced back, and it would have roasted them all like the marshmallows they would have been. So the next day, the glass pane was removed, and uh, everyone was rehired, and they started over. And they did not rue that day. Well, they didn't roast that day, thankfully. Well, that's a plus. I mean, any day that you are not incinerated by a flamethrower, I guess you could consider a good day. Yeah, it's it's definitely on the list of things I don't want to happen today. Yes, or or pretty much any day. Most days. There are some days when it might be a blessing. Now... Which incarnation of Ripley is your favorite version of the character? Uh, I think it depends on my mood, but I think they I think I love her very, very most in Alien Resurrection. I love that she is no longer just a badass. She's no longer just in charge. She's no longer just maternal. She's all the things rolled into one. And she's owning it and really taking charge. Also, you can just tell Sigourney Weaver is relishing playing her in this in this this version of Ripley. You can tell she's just relishing the delight of playing a creature that is a person who is now listed as being predatory. 
someone who is in charge and understands the situation, but no longer has this flight or fight response because they are in control of the situation to a degree. Yeah, she gives like zero fucks in that movie. She just not not she, a single one. She checked her pockets. Not not a single one to be found. Yep, she just does her thing. You know, goes through and you know whatever works for her is what works for her. And if you don't like it, get the fuck out of the way. It's just it's her way or the highway. If you're going to slow her down, she's going to kill you, and that's unfortunate for you. Um, bad choice, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's no, it's not a position she put you in. It's one you're choosing to be in yourself. So. I, my advice would just be to shut up and do what she says. And she hands out presents. Much like your marriage. Um, <laughs> she she hands out souvenirs. Yeah. Souvenirs. Would you like another souvenir? Yeah, she didn't get the second one there. She did get the first one, which was very nice. Although Winona Ryder seemed uh, really not all that grateful to receive it. On the first round, she was a bit disgusted. The second one, she did think was quite funny. Oh yes. So. So, Ashes, have you and Nicole? God help me. Have you seen Alien Three and Resurrection? No, yes. no. So my plan is actually later on tonight is uh, we're gonna grab some pizza and watch pizza. Aliens, according to Patrick, Aliens Cubed. Excuse me, Alien Cubed, um, and and Man. probably Alien Resurrection as well. Um, I'm kind of uh, I you know spent my my afternoon watching the first two. I'm kind of on this kick. I want more. I want to know more. Um, to I'm, be I'm fair, really three is not my favorite, and it's no one's favorite, but it's not terrible. I feel like you know if I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, on it a I'm, lot, I'm gonna go all the way. You know, so it is Joss Whedon's favorite, isn't it? Bite me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he who shall not be named. Oh. oh, I'll name him all day long. We are not I got lots of names fans. for him. We are not fans of Joss Whedon. Got lots of names, and lots of words for Joss Whedon. Dick. Fuck that guy. Yep. So I actually have a question for Miss Stephanie. Um, Hopefully I'll have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what are you doing later? Now, um, so you recently... Probably something similar. <laughs> <laughs> you recently had the opportunity to meet Miss Sigourney Weaver. Uh, um, beautiful How was picture. that? Were you able to have... I mean, I know how crazy these things are. It's kind of like, you know, you get in, you get out. Did you have a chance to have any, like, interaction with her? Did you have a chance to, you know, ask her some questions? There's how mention how is she? Does, does she smell good? Like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> How was it? I'm so glad you asked because that's something I noticed about everyone. So thank you for asking. And I don't look like the creepy one. Um, so, yeah, the photo was first, which was probably great because it gave me a chance to get the air back in my lungs. The second <laughs> I saw her, it all rushed out of me like a balloon. Um, I couldn't believe it. She was just so beautiful and ethereal and just so present. Uh, so originally I wasn't as creative as I could have been, but she was wearing some pretty great shoes. So we had a mini discussion about shoes while we did the photo op and I got to hug her, which was life changing. Um, there are certain people I've been able to hug over the years and this is definitely one of my favorites. So that was fantastic. She did smell very nice. Uh, <laughs> I detected a hint of gardenia. It was Ooh. lovely. Very classy. Uh, and then later, I got to do the signatures. So I had a sh- I had her assign three different things for me, uh, one of which she had not seen before. So she wanted to ask me some questions about what it was and where I got it. 
and that's um, the Aliens Collector Edition vinyl that was released on Aliens Day. But this one was specially released for um, Newbury Comics. Nice. And I have a fantastic friend who runs a Newbury Comics, so he stashed one away for me. I uh, had her sign my Alien mini poster that is also signed by Tom Skerritt and Veronica Cartwright. And then I had, of course, you guys, of course, I had her sign Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Which she was pretty stoked on. She was really, she was really cute, and she was very nice. She asked me some questions, and I got to thank her for doing what she does. I think that a lot of times, you know, people are actors and they're they're just trying to make a living. Especially when she took the first film, I don't think for a second that she knew what she was getting into, or the impact that it would have on film and on women in film and on she's women such a, women watching film. I would say, yeah, um, she 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 is definitely a a feminist icon. Um Ellen Ripley is anyways and that I I'm I you know, I'm and I don't think she had a, a momentary clue that that was going to happen. Yeah. Right, right. And I think that's so great. You know, she just kind of immersed herself into this role and, you know, this role has become what it's become. This character has, you know, become so iconic. And, you know, I think that's just great. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't, the whole weekend, Bill Paxton was hilarious as well. And he kept throwing out lines from the film. Uh, you know, you'd just be standing there and all of a sudden you'd hear him yell like, game over, man, game over. <laughs> and you just can't help but be charmed and delighted because it's hysterical. And he was clearly enjoying the feedback and the energy from people appreciating that sort of thing, you know. They did the panel, and he gets out there, and he says something, and someone's talking, and he's like, well, I'm not sure if you've been keeping up on current events, but we just got our asses kicked, man. Uh, And it's just great, and you can't help but just be in love with it. This is kind of, they're obviously characters, and these are people who portrayed them, but to see them enjoying their creations and the fruits of their labor and have that love kind of, that love energy kind of come off stage and back on stage it's pretty fantastic and it's a really I'm very delighted and thankful that I was able to go see one of the things I've always liked about not just Ripley but the Sigourney Weaver as you know as an actress is I can't think of uh, a role that she's been in where she's been you know like a damsel in distress and I need a man to come save me Mm -hmm. she's always you know the take charge type of person like she'll do it herself and I feel like that really represents who you know Sigourney is in real life I would imagine you know I've never gotten a chance to meet her and have a conversation with her but she's very poised I don't know about necessarily her being so hardcore I think she's actually a bit of a chicken um she's actually said so she's she's not interested in scary movies she can't watch him she's a big chicken uh she's got a different way of doing things but I think she's a very poised person and I and I think that I I don't believe that there would be a situation where she would ever crack under pressure. That's for sure. Yeah, because I mean, just thinking about you know, I don't know if she's going to bust out a flamethrower, but I think if she had to, she'd you know hand her jewelry to her husband and kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine. And the, one of the things that I liked, you know, and that you know, Ashes and I were talking about earlier is, you know, in the second film, it, James Cameron tends to uh, give his female protagonists you know a lot of you know badassery and you know a lot of strength so yeah, speaking of feminist icons right james cameron's kind of a feminist icon in and of himself mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. uh he's kind of got a, a way of doing that that's a bit um underappreciated i would say 
I think that there's a lack of of forethought that goes into that. Like he puts a lot of work into these films, and I think there's a lack of appreciation sometimes on the outcome and the way that women are portrayed in most of his films. I think people should be a little more openly acknowledging of that and appreciative of the effort that he puts in because he doesn't have to. Yeah, he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to give these characters agency. And he's not necessarily writing them, but he's certainly directing them in a way that gives them such strong presence and a sense of self and a real agency to do the things that they have to do. Um, and I don't think it's something that people talk about often enough. Yeah, like even the, the background characters, you know, like say in The Abyss, uh, you know, you got, uh, you know, uh, what the hell's her name? She played uh, Ed Harris's wife, and her name is Masterson. Mary? No, that's not her. Mary Ma- Masterson, Elizabeth Masterson, somebody like that. I don't Virginia? Think that's right. No, not Virginia Madsen. Well, like even in Aliens, you've got Vasquez. Yeah. Yes. Who oh, is yes. not? Who is not a? Who's not a main character by any sense of the, the word? But she's got quite the presence, and you don't ever forget her. Especially that opening line. Hey, Vasquez, you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> and, there's, and she's actually doing those pull-ups. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, it's funny. I was, you know, when they're getting all geared up, I, I look to Ash as I go, you know, check out those guns. She goes, did you mean, like, the weapons or her arms? <laughs> I was like, no. Well, I'm- and so the weapons were actually quite heavy. They were basically real Mm-hmm. And because James Cameron wanted the look of the weight, the physical your physicality changes when you're carrying around something that's actually heavy. Your presence, your attitude, <laughs> everything's going to change if you're if you're carrying around a gun or some sort of machinery that's actually heavy versus a you know light prop that you know whatever does whatever it does. But exactly. it changes your presence and your physicality. So he wanted them carrying real weapons. So they were, and these long days and long hours is how Sigourney Weaver eventually found Pilates because she had a lot of back issues after shooting aliens and lugging all that crap around for those you know 18-hour days. So that's how she ended up finding Pilates, and it helped her um, kind of fix those issues and really build up that core strength. Yeah, so I think that's a, a really good place to start now. You know, I imagine you would uh, recommend if someone's going to get into the, this character and really see what uh, Ellen Ripley is all about, you would recommend, you know, watching the movies in order, uh, one through four. Um, is that is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, absolutely. I, I like I said, Alien Three is not my favorite, and in the grand scheme of things, I think you could actually probably skip it if you had to. But I think you'd be remiss to to miss out on Alien Resurrection as much as certain people don't love it because, in theory, it changes some of the way things are done and how some of the mythology is. Um, a, they're wrong, and B, it's great. So I think you should definitely watch it. And I'd like to add in a, a couple of recommendations uh, of my own. Um, there is a, a really cool uh, comic series I forget who put it out it's escaping me i want to say it's dark horse um because they probably did a, they did a lot of like the alien and predator and stuff like that um there's two there's uh, a series where there's a crossover with superman and superman is infected with a chest burster and uh he is you know he he's underground there in the subterranean planet and he's trying to get his get himself out so he can get uh some some sunlight before 
you know, this thing tears through him and kills him. So there's actually some pretty good tension for a comic book. Why does he need sunlight? Uh, he is powered by uh, the yellow sun. That's what gives him his strength. Oh. If, the longer he is away from the yellow sun, the weaker he becomes. I'm super glad I didn't pick crappy-ass Superman to go to LV-426. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> um, what a punk. Yeah, he's a chump. Um, oh, I can't go outside today, guys. It's cloudy. I'm drained. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, someone might throw a uh, space rocket. Although I don't know how effective Aquaman will be either. Uh, he's been pretty effective already. Saying, <laughs> he's effective in other ways. Um, Sploosh. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what kind of effect you're going for, but if you want the women of the world to turn against someone, just, you know, put them up and sell them. Have them lead us. Um. And the other His one, army will rise. The other one, which uh, gives you a nice, uh, nice thing of uh, of how Ripley really is, because um, that the Superman to clap thing. At me with the Aquaman bullshit. The Superman thing is more like you know the Xenomorph. Fucking dudes trying to hate on Aquaman, like fuck right. off, y'all are just jealous. No, no, I'm I'm not talking about Jason Momoa. I'm talking about Arthur uh, Curry. Arthur Curry, the the blonde. Aquaman. Oh, eh. I'm sorry. We forgot about that guy, <laughs> right? He exists. New Aquaman in town. Well, the just uh, like y'all are stuck with Ben Affleck as Batperson. I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, the the second thing is there's a uh, alien Terminator Predator crossover no. that that features uh, Ellen Ripley, and um, they are kind of hybridizing Terminators and aliens. Which is that kind sounds of a, like a bad idea. It is a bad idea, but you know they have uh, both, bad idea. Both predator. They you have essentially Ellen Ripley leading an army of predators, which is pretty goddamn awesome. Well, there's this really great quote from Jamie Lee Curtis when she was promoting H2O back in the day, approximately 18 years ago. Um, she said that if you ever, if you ever see me running, get behind me. And that's kind of this great thing with certain female characters, especially in the horror sci-fi genre. You've got Ripley, who's a stand-up badass bitch who I would follow into war and back again. Uh, even Laurie Strode, who's kind of a punk princess, like can't stand her in the first film. Even the second film, she's too whiny for me. But H2O, she really stacks up and handles her shit, and that's when I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, that moment when she's got the axe, and you're just like, yes, let's do this. Like, I've had enough of this guy. Fuck it. If I'm going down, so is he. Um, there's these great moments, and even Scream 4, where you've got Sydney Prescott, who finally, again, takes the bull by the horns and says she's had enough, and they just handle their business. You've got this great legacy of these female characters, including Nancy, Tom- Nancy Thompson from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, who's mm-hmm. amazing final girl, who's just... There's this strength of character and this this sense of willpower that you just don't find in a lot of characters in films written for women. And at the at the forefront of all of this, you have Ellen Ripley. Yes, I agree with that. So, I think what we're going to do... You can't now, really disagree well, no, 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 no. logically, I mean, but I mean, it's just she just set this, this bar. She yes. set this bar. There was nothing really like her before. And there still hasn't really been anything quite like her ever since, but she's elevated it to a, no, a new level, and she's created this archetype for strong female characters that are just not going to put up with anything anymore. Well, it, you know, to kind of uh, they're cool. Know, play Don't start advocate. none, won't be none. But once you start it, it's over. 
Well, you know, what I'm saying is, you know, when you said there, there hasn't been anyone before, which I agree with, but since um, that I kind of disagree with because I think uh, uh, Sarah Connor is cut from that same cloth and is that same type of character. You know, she's put into a situation, she does what she needs to do, and then just turns into, you know, whatever I need to do to stop this threat, that's what I'm going to be. But, you know, she But is- Sarah Connor the whole time was a mother first. Uh, because that, you know, that was her... She was drawn into the situation by her maternal instinct, and that's the way that whole thing is written, is that she's there to protect her child first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Yes, she goes through a transformation and because becomes someone who's just ride or die, and she's going to do what she has to do. But first and foremost, she was protecting her child. Ripley's just been a boss since the jump. Right. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not comparing the saying that they're the same. I said they're cut it from the same worked. cloth. Mm-hmm. You know, especially because, you know, Ripley came first. So, you know, I think that Sarah Connor was modeled after Ripley. You know, and I think pretty much every, you know... You could do far worse than being modeled after oh, Ellen Ripley. That's 100% For accurate. Sure. So I think with uh, that being said, we are going to go ahead and take our final break. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of feedback. And uh, then we're going to do a... Uh, our, our battle. I think you're going to like the battle for this week, and uh, then we're going to preview next week's show. Woo-hoo. This is Bobby Chains, Uncle Polly, and I'm the kid Tim Nice. And be sure to check out our podcast, Unchained, part of the Grand Guignol Network, available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. It's that darn crossover reference again. It just won't leave us alone. I guess we're just going to have to move. No way. Don't worry. We're not moving. It is. Who are you going to call? The The Television Television Crossover Crossover Universe Podcast. Tuesdays on the Grand Guignol Network. Catching all those pesky crossover references. And we are back. And uh, once again, thank you very All much. All I ever hear is Patrick Rayhall is a motherfucking mouse. <laughs> I am much larger than a mouse. If anything, I'm a capybara. <laughs> you wish you were. Oh. And now, and now, whenever you hear it, you're gonna hear the same thing forever. Yes. No. Thank you. I won't. I'm just, I'm just mouse rolled you. It's a motherfucking mouse. You have to sing it with a high pitched voice too. <laughs> oh, I will at work. I Stephanie, will. I just want to say there's ham on the back of my spatula. Burn through the kitchen. That's right. 
so what we're going to do... you been mouse-rolled. What we're going to do right now is, uh, as you're aware, Stephanie, we do a, a little battle each week, and we are getting towards the end of the first round. We're actually going to be the end of the first round next week. And, uh, it's I, a motherfucking mouse. That's not even the line that... You just talked over that Patrick Rayola has a hot wife part, so that was an insult to ashes. It was absolutely not. It totally was. Patrick Rayola. Uh, there's no crime if there's a no motherfucking mouse. So, the, uh, the battle we're going to do this week is uh, out of the out-of-this-world category, and it is... Uh, you know, sticking with the theme of Ellen Ripley, and we actually mentioned this character earlier. It is Vasquez, Uh-oh. and she is taking on. Uh, I don't know this character's last name, but then uh, I think only a, a handful of people do. Uh, you saw her uh, kicking some serious ass in uh, the Force Awakens. I'm talking, of course, about Ray, Ray Skywalker, Ray Palpatine, Ray Kenobi. Who knows? Uh, Ray Akbar. Ray Akbar. I don't see the family resemblance, but Ray uh, Organa. Ray Organa it could be, although I think somebody may be a little confused if that's uh, if that's the case. Uh, mainly, uh, Leia. But uh, lots of things happen. That's true. That's true. And this is the future, or a long time ago. Would it wouldn't be the somehow. first time that the twins were separated? That's entirely possible, but you'd think mm. she would remember having twins. Childbirth is really strenuous. Maybe you don't under- you don't recall exactly what went on, and you know sometimes they give you chemicals to help you get through the pain of childbirth that would make you not remember certain things. That's entirely possible. Or you could have had your uh, mind force wiped or something. No, because the force the force is strong with Leia, and that bitch will shut you down. Mm, yeah, the force is strong in her family. No, she's the only one that has not cracked and gone to the crappy-ass dark side for a minute. This is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, she puts up with so much bullshit. Well, she's she the also, only one that hasn't caved to temptation and been like, eh, help me, I'm going to do the dark side. Yeah, she also hasn't used her uh, her abilities uh, to further her cause that we've seen. So Her cause is doing pretty darn fine on its own, my friend. Yeah, I, that, they did really also, well when all of those planets the, got destroyed. She believes that was in the force. She's not, she's not going to use the force inappropriately. She knows that the balance has to play out in the universe. Mm-hmm. She can't just be taken over. Yeah, yeah. She can't, no. She's a good leader. Right. She can't. Yeah, she's, uh, that was really great the way she let all of the uh, Republic planets get destroyed. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, because she, she single-handedly let that happen while, while Luke is off, literally single-handedly crying on a rock. And she didn't stop it. I'm just Neither saying. did Luke crybaby Skywalker. Yeah, we're not talking about Luke. We're talking about, uh, we're talking about He's Leia. He's supposed to be the savior. No, you just said that Leia was, so... So anyways, the uh, the point is that Ray and Vasquez will be uh, competing this week. and uh, We'll make sure on the Facebook page that it's the correct poll. Yeah, it is the, yeah, the right yeah, one. Yeah, I did wait. switch them up the last week. That's, that a was strange, my that's a strange battle, though. If it's just hand-to-hand combat, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, who's to who's to say? Again, you know, we are going to be writing little short stories based on all the uh, results of the first round fights. Nicole and I are going to be doing that. So you mm, we'll see. It's a 50-50 thing. We're going to divide them we'll right see. down the middle. Depending I'll let her on. pick which one which uh which fights she wants to do and I'll take the remaining ones. So, 
Nicole, have Ooh. you uh, got any any stuff for your uh, Agent Nicole files this week? Um, yes. Uh, well, one. Uh, sorry. Um, while I was watching all the Alien and Aliens and Alien Three and Alien Resurrection, I took, <laughs> I took some time to watch um, the, a little Netflix show called Stranger Things. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm four episodes in, and I've seen like bits and pieces from other episodes. It's fantastic. If you haven't, so seen how it, much do you love Dustin? Like, oh my god, a I megaton or just a ton? I just megaton. He's just right, fucking hilarious. I would love that kid. I if yeah. I could pick my kids, like I'd have four Dustins. <laughs> and you know, um, I did mention to you the other day that uh, I thought Dustin He's so cute. looked yeah, he exactly is. like my niece. I showed Dustin's picture to my niece's parents, and they both wholeheartedly agreed yes. that Dustin looks exactly like their They're daughter. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's my daughter in, like, boy form. Yeah. He's so yes. charming, the little Dustin. Well, we're going to have to check that out, because that's on our list, but we have not had a chance to see it I, yet. Yes. Uh, I would go and talk about it, but I won't. We go. got not a lot of time. I actually after. didn't love the show. I thought it was okay. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm not going to worship at the altar that is Stranger Things, like a lot of people are doing. I think it's okay, yeah. and I think it'll be better once it's now got its footing yeah. um, for a second season. I think the second season will probably be light years better than the first. Yeah. Um, and as long as they put more Dustin in, because uh, the people want more Dustin, I think they can't lose. I, I think that, you know, if Dustin's as great a character as, as you guys think, that we may have to do a show on him once we finish the, the series. Dustin's adorable. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I just oh love Dustin. Well, I have uh, one, uh, one piece of uh, feedback, and it's from a first-time listener, and uh, it's actually very, very nice, and... Uh, uh, well, if you want to, the first time for everything. Go ahead. Yeah, you were nice too. I know you were probably out of your mind at the at the moment, but you were very nice to us too. Why More, would I have been out of my mind? Because you were nice to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, even a broken clock is right twice a day. That's true. So let's check this out and uh, hear what our uh, our newest listener. It's spinning. It's trying. It is it's trying <laughs> to do its thing. You know why? Because you were complimenting the internet earlier today. Yeah. Hey, Throwdown Thursday. This is Nick. I'm a frequent caller into Unchained and um, Trick or Treat Radio and (laughs) big fan of the Grand Guignol Network. And um, started listening to your guys' podcast on my vacation. I listened to all five episodes. And I have to say it's pretty good. I like the camaraderie between Agent Nicole and... Patsy the Angry Video Game Nerd, or not Video Game Nerd, sorry. I'm thinking of the Angry Video Game Nerd on YouTube. Uh, the Angry Nerd. Um, I didn't, to be truthfully honest, I didn't know if I'd to be into be into this podcast too much, because I'm just like, I'm not, I'm nerdy in a sense, but it's more just film-based. I'm not too into the logistics of the size of Godzilla's tail and if he can really breathe fire, but I like it. I love the con- I like the conversation a lot. Um, you guys seem to really be compatible, and you know, you play off each other, and you make fun of each other. I like it a lot. Um, so yeah, I'll uh, I'll think of more stuff to call into and um, stuff like that because it's it's a good show, and you guys do a great job. So thank you. Bye. 
Thank you very much, Nick. I'm yes, glad. Thank uh, you. I'm glad you it's, liked it. I'm it's not the back. size of the tail; it's how you use it. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> FYI, we're only compatible. I haven't killed him yet. And the, I'm, I'm on the verge of killing him soon. The one part he left out, though, was when you held the uh, gun to his head and made him listen. Yeah, it was a, a, <laughs> a very long-range gun. Um, but I'm, Sniper rifles do crazy things these days. That's true. I, I saw Deadshot do some crazy stuff. Um, but I, I'm glad that Nick liked it. Um, you know, I didn't think it was going to be you know in his wheelhouse either, but uh, apparently he enjoys it, so... You know, thank you, Nick, for listening, and you know we look forward to more feedback uh, coming from you soon. Yes. And uh, with that Hi, being Nick. said, uh, we are uh, we're going to go ahead and bring this to a close. Um, uh, Stephanie, uh, do you think you might want to come back again next week and and hang out with us again? Because I I heard that you might want to talk about somebody else. Well, yeah, as long as you know, maybe maybe we can clear some time on the schedule and make sure we've all got freshly washed PJs on. That's uh well, they'll be they'll be uh, podcasting without on. pants, kids. Yeah. It's the only way to go. That's true. You'll never go back. It's uh, entirely possible. So uh, we're gonna thank Stephanie for uh, for uh, spending the time and enlightening yes. us, and uh, we will. Uh, I'll miss you all till next week. Facts. Oh, I do have a science fact. Thank you. Uh, uh, nope, we're done. <laughs> yeah, all right, bye. Next week, a photon. A <laughs> photon <thanks> takes. <laughs> Eight minutes to reach the sun, to reach from the sun to the earth. See you but it next Thursday, Thousand years to get from the center of the sun to its surface. Thanks, everybody. See you next Thursday. Bye.